Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's message, titled Wreck Hunters by Pastor Walter Arias. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. I hope that this word will be of a blessing. And last week, we talked about a topic that had as a title, Provokers of Miracles. And I felt in my heart to continue the same line of preaching in these times so of so much need and so much affliction. And I found my in my notes with a study that I based on a devotional for about seven years ago from our Daily Bread, the devotional that we recommend to the whole mission of God of Covenants Christian Center and those that connect with us and congregate to seek it and do it. And this lesson from seven years ago, more or less, has a title, Wreck Hunters, which called to my attention the story as such. And also it seemed very important with the opportunity that it gives us to connect with a spiritual reality. So this story, if you allow me, has to do with a man named Craig Fuller. It says that he was a wreck hunter, which is to say of remains, remains of crashed warplanes in the southeastern of the United States. And a Smithsonian reporter accompanied Craig Fuller on this successful search. They were looking for the remains of an AT-17B called a Bobcat in a remote section of the Churakawa Mountains of Arizona. This two-man plane fell on a training flight on December 28th of 1943. And over time, records of its exact location were lost. But after a difficult journey, hear me out, through a rugged cactus-covered canyon territory, Fuller's team found the tangled mess of rusted metal, the remains, the wreck of what had been that bobcat, that plane of a training plane of war in the Second World War. It had been found what was lost. And equally, Jesus came to this world to seek what was lost. The purpose of Jesus on this earth is to seek. He says, well, I didn't come to find the righteous, but to find sinners and bring them to repentance. What sinners? The ones that we live or those that have been in a tangled mess in a life of problems and chaos. And perhaps you who are listening to me today can identify yourself with this. Perhaps your life is backwards in this moment and you come from problems to problems, from situation to situation and from clash to clash. And you might say, is this life? Is this what's living? And God, let me tell you, he comes through Jesus Christ to find those spiritual wrecks, those those. Tangled messes of emotions, of emotions that are shattered, of pain and anguish. And perhaps you today find yourself in that condition, an actual situation that you could be living like many live in this time. A COVID-19 and all that is loosened through it. All the lack of finances, the state of nerves, the lack of employment. And all of this in a home maybe that's dysfunctional, I don't know, or where have incited situations that are adverse and additional. Perhaps you are the ones that are fine. I don't know. But for you, there's a word also in this day, because this word brings us to be participants, like those provokers of miracles, makes us to be participants, to be wreck hunters. Today's topic has a title, Wreck Hunters, we have a purpose when we're in this land. We have a purpose of why we're here. When we come here to this land, we're spiritual beings that we die when we sin. The day that we have consciousness and we sin, we're separated from the glory of God. Our life is converted into a chaos. Our life is affected as such. We die spiritually. And with this, our soulish part is damaged and is affected. Then being 
enemies of God because we do the things that are irregular before him. But Jesus Christ, hear me out, the solution, Jesus Christ, the beloved son of God, comes to this earth. He becomes man. He dwells within us. He goes to the cross. He dies for us to redeem us from sin, to find us and to rescue us. Then what does Christ find when he comes to a heart? Well, he finds a tangled mess of problems. He finds a wreck. He finds a wreck like the ruins of a person. Let me tell you, when Christ entered in my life, when I was 25 years old, he found a young person of 25 years old that was wasted, that was destroyed, maladjusted, and run over spiritually, a tangled mess some spiritual wrecks, and perhaps you can identify today with this. Maybe you could identify a neighbor or a friend or someone there. When Jesus came, hear me out, he found not only the people that were spiritual wrecks, and not only did he find them, but he extended a message of love, a message of mercy, of hope, and of salvation through faith. And who did he find? He found tax collectors that were thieves he found and he came close to prostitutes and even to religious people who thought that they had life but they were dead also in their sins and transgressions there was Zacchaeus a tax collector or Nicodemus religious and famous and what about that woman Mary Magdalene who which they cast out seven demons. Jesus delivered seven demons from her. How were these people to which Jesus came to? They were spiritual wrecks. Today, the power of Christ is the same. Today, the power of Christ is the same. Jesus comes and finds a society that is a wreck, a society that's in chaos, but he is seeking that you and I, that He's saving by grace that we convert into wreck hunters, people that we go to the places where there's spiritual wrecks, where there's chaos, where there's anguish, where there's pain, where there's sadness. And we get involved with those people to present them the grace of Christ, the salvation, the free salvation through Jesus Christ and help them and to unwrap their tangled mess and to restore their spiritual lives. Who are those that are spiritual wrecks? Where are they? The spiritual wrecks are those that are rich or poor, those that are high and low, those that are from eminent positions, just like the common people. They're also people with thoughts of superiority, moral superiority high, but are dead in their sins and transgressions. And on the other half, it could be people that we can be seen from a mile away that they're walking in death and not in life. Where are they found in every place? The spiritual wrecks, those tangled messes, those remains of something that's wasted are found in every place. They're found perhaps in your home. Perhaps you're one of them. They are found in their neighbors. They're found in the shopkeepers, in the one that drives the car, in the businessman. Is that one that has the tie like the one who doesn't have it? They're far and they're close. Those that are that are spiritual wrecks are every place. And if you allow me, and only just look at the news so you can see the chaos in which this land is found in now. Not only the COVID-19, but also the manifestations, all the oppression that's emotional that there is and spiritual that exists and the society that is in a state of hysteria. What about all the manifestations of Hong Kong? Those that watch news, those that are Inform the people the problem with China and that place, that city of Hong Kong, where the law that they want to impose on them, all that we could observe news we see of situations that are strong. And what about the latest and the most recent that has caused an indignation on a worldwide level? And I'm speaking there of George Floyd, the black American that a police and some other police. Look, they killed him. They killed him in an unjust way. Tell me if this has not brought a riot or a manifestations and has brought disgrace in all the cities, Miami, New York, Missouri, Mississippi, in Texas, in St. Louis, in every place. There's manifestations, burning places, killing one another. Tell me if this is not a society that is a tangled 
spiritual mess. If it's not a city that is in a wreck, if it's not a society that's in a spiritual wreck, humanity is in chaos. Humanity is in chaos and only there's one answer and that answer is the light. When the word of God says in Genesis that in the beginning everything was chaos and darkness in the abyss, it's speaking of a disorder. The word chaos is not the absence of things. The word chaos is is things in places that it doesn't need to be. In the beginning, in what was moving in the gases that existed in the form that God started to find and develop everything, there was a disorder. There was no form. There wasn't a purpose. But then God said, let there be light. Enter my wisdom. And that wisdom we know very well is Christ Jesus. And Christ entered and there he started to move and the thing started to separate the waters from the waters. And there a portion of land, dry land came out and the waters come because the light entered. And today, today, the earth is found in chaos. And I don't know about you, how your heart is. Are you in chaos? Is there in your family, is there a situation that is rough in your home? Is there something that's not working? There's the father, there's the mother, and there's the children. They're in the position that's correct. They're in the adequate surroundings. Do they treat in the way that's indicated, or is there chaos, difficulty, or problems? They can be there in the nuclear family, but the question is, are they well? Do you have to give what you have to give. Perhaps what is missing is the wisdom that Christ entered the light into that home and transform what is defective. The tangled mess of the home that perhaps are some of there that are those of you that are listening. There's homes that are destroyed. There's families that's destroyed. And there's communities that are destroyed. Cities that are destroyed. A state that's destroyed. A damaged nation. And a global planet that is in chaos. God is looking for wreck hunters. God is looking for wreck hunters. People that are ready to do the his work. People that are ready to take relief to a place that needs healing. People that are ready to put themselves that, that armor of God. That armor of God. And as a soldier of Christ to do a spiritual work. Not only to find a spiritual wreck that is human, but also, but to restore them, to restore them and take them to the presence of the Lord. How can we rescue those spiritual wrecks? I hope that you're understanding me. When we speak of spiritual wrecks, I'm referring to a damaged person in all their being, in their emotional part and spiritual part, a person that's in chaos. How can we rescue those spiritual wrecks? But also... I want you to apply this preaching to present situations. Perhaps you're a person that has suffered a calamity recently. Perhaps you're one of those that are affected financially. Perhaps this whole situation that's global, that's affecting you in a way, and your business is finished, your company is finished, your surroundings have changed, and you say, what has happened? Everything has been wasted away. There's nothing but the remains of my business. There's nothing but the remains of my finances. There's nothing but the remains of what I have lifted up with my hands for so many years. Let me say to you that today I have on behalf of God a word that can suit you. I say it to you with confidence as pastor of God of Covenants Christian Center. Here we have in this service some 10 people in this moment with me, all the service that we can have here. But the rest of the congregation is not here. A congregation that knows how to have in two services during the day, maybe some 500 or 600 people, but they can't be here today. A space that's empty throughout the week, but only we use the parts of the offices. And we can say that this something has affected this also. Where's the congregation of the Lord? I know where they are. Well, they're there in their homes where they are. But the fact that they're not here, I can see that there's something that's changed. And some people, if I'm not firm in the Lord, would say, I would say, wow, everything is finished here. But no, it's not what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing that it's wasted away. And I want to transmit this to your heart. If you're the ones that your business has failed, I invite you that today you don't see it as a failure, but you see it that you get this word in your heart and it suits you to see if you rescue that business wreck that you have, that home wreck that you have, you're living, that wreck of a dream or a study or what do I know? But while 
I'm interested that you understand that if your life is in chaos, Christ is the solution. How can we help them to rescue those spiritual wrecks? How can we put ourselves to the oppositions? Let me say to you, full words, conviction, obedience, perseverance, and effort. Conviction, so that you could take notes, obedience, perseverance, and effort. And there we're going to talk about the topic. I'm going to say it in a very affectionate way. Look, the best example for me as a pastor for this preaching, I have a peace. I have a peace, a satisfaction in the Lord of being able to share this now because I have the correct attitude with the team before the adversity that we had as an institution to be able to broadcast as how we want or how we prepare ourselves to transmit. We prepare ourselves to transmit with a preacher in English, a translator. We prepare ourselves with many cameras so that there's different shots. We prepare ourselves with an internet signal that is excellent. We prepare ourselves with announcements there, things that we have to place there on the screen. With everything, we prepare ourselves with a worship. We prepare ourselves very well in prayer, in effort, in time to be able to come on the air for an hour or an hour and a half on the air. And today when we arrived, many of those things did not function. That channel or that that medium, that instrument, that's the internet in all the internal part that has to do with signals, hear me out, with signals from the internet was affected. Option, we don't do the service. But if we're not going to come out on the internet, the other option, well, we do the service for the 10 people that are here, because in the end of the day, we're church option. Let us try to fix something. Let us call a company to see if they could put a immediate solution, the provider of the internet. It did not work also. Option. Let us try. Let us look for alternatives. Let's do it later. Let's come out on the air five minutes or maybe a half an hour. We came out on the air a little later, but you know what? We're on the air. And here we're here we are for this same word, for the word conviction, for the word obedience, for the word perseverance and for the word effort. How can we be rescuers or better? I'm sorry, hunters of wrecks that are spiritual or or hunters of business wrecks of situations or families or however you want to apply it with this simple and easy word. And allow me that we get in there in the word conviction, conviction. And you are going to take notes and you're going to write there very clearly in Hebrews 11, chapter chapter 11, verses, verse 1. Don't be lazy. Be very astute because Satan is very astute to steal the word from you. That's what he comes to do when we don't take notes of it. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the word says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence or conviction of things not seen. Pastor, what does you want to say with this text? How how can you apply it? Well, my beloved brother and sister, if I'm speaking that God wants me to be a wreck hunter, a person that I'm dedicated to find people in a problem that's emotional, spiritual, family, a business with the situations, with problems, with whatever of difficulty that I draw clear to, I draw near to them with the conviction. What conviction? The conviction that the homes can be transformed. <laughs> Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence or conviction of things not seen. If I would preach, hear me out, based on that I can see the future of the people, then it would be even easier. But I don't preach like that because I don't see the future of the people. I preach in faith, the word. I come to the homes in faith. I share a word to a person in faith that that word is alone is powerful to produce a change in the heart of the person sooner or later. That's a conviction. The faith is the substance. I have to have that substance when I speak of Christ. I have to have certainty of speaking to you today of this word, that this word is not going to return void and that it will fulfill a purpose in your heart. And some that's going to take them from death to life and others is going to give them a new strength. They're going to put the word conviction in their heart and they're going to go 
forth in their problems and difficulties, they're going to conquer them. I have to have conviction that the word that I preach and the name of Jesus Christ that I speak of is sufficient for your salvation and for restoration of your life and of your surroundings, wherever you may be. The question then in this moment, do you have conviction then? Have you confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Then you should be convinced that he is accompanying you. You should be convinced that he is with you. You should be convinced that he is interested in your problems of your needs. Faith is the certainty. I'm convinced of something that I'm waiting. I want my marriage to be fixed. I want my life to be fixed. I want to come out of drugs. I'm going to come out of alcohol. I'm going to stop being a thief. I'm going to come out of prostitution, the conviction that I'm going to do it. And it says there, it's the evidence or the conviction of what is not seen. And even though I don't see it, I hope for it. Because if I could see it, then there's no hope then. So then we should have conviction of the power of the seed of the gospel. I have to have conviction that this word, that this word is going to produce an effect in your life or in many lives. I throw the seed with conviction. I know that some of those seeds of the gospel, I know they fall in a land and there'll be land that'll be good and fertile. That's going to embrace it for life. That's conviction. Conviction that the souls will be saved In the one and only sovereign name that is given for salvation, Jesus Christ. There's no religion that saves. There's no way that saves. There's nothing that saves. There's no money that saves. There's only the faith placed on Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Conviction. Conviction. Conviction that you will come out of this problem of the COVID-19. Conviction that you and I will come out as a society and a community. We're going to advance conviction that the rules and the laws are going to be better. Conviction that we can do a change in this society. I don't have to be conquered or think that the things are wasted away and they don't work. No, I have a conviction that in Christ, I can do all things. Matthew 3, 9 says, and a very special text, how we're going to apply it as well. And it says, and Jesus says to some people there, and it says, and do not think to say to yourselves, hear me out. We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Matthew 3, 9. Jesus is speaking with a group of people that are religious, that are, that appropriate or they appropriated and always said, only God can do a work of miracles and can only lift up children of this lineage, of this way, of this lineage of Abraham. And Jesus says, and do not think to say to yourselves that I can't lift to Abraham, children from these stones? Of what stones? Of those that have lost, of those that had lost their faith and their religion, those that have lost their ways of worship, those that have mixed with other races, and of those that were not of chosen people. Was it not? It was a Hebrew people that were not the Hebrew people that was chosen, but it was the Gentiles. What is Jesus saying for me? There is nothing impossible. I can lift up children even to the most lost one, to the most damaged one. Don't think that a neighbor that you have is so damaged that God cannot save him. Don't think that a family is so rotted and so lost that God can't do anything with him. Let me tell you, on the contrary, the word says that the vile and unappreciated is what God chooses. Hear me out. To shame the wise. God is an expert to take, to lift up crazy people, to take prostitutes and transform them because the one that is most forgiven, he will be most grateful. God is great to choose the one that is a spiritual wreck, the one that is wasted, the most damaged marriage where no one gives a dollar for that marriage. And he enters into that heart, into that couple, and he transforms that couple Allow that Christ enter into your heart. He helps those, however you want to call them. There's nothing so great. Before him, everything is small. That's what Jesus is saying to these people. He says, don't even think that the children have to be only from there. 
I am capable of lifting up children from these stones, from the heart stones. He turns that heart, heart, and he transforms it into a heart of flesh. Conviction that God can change. Do you have conviction that God can take you out of that situation in which you're in? Do you have conviction that God can save you from a place of life where you still have not surrendered and it's been difficult to surrender? God can take you from whatever spiritual tangled mess that you have. And I want to say to you that God today can change your difficult surroundings. I have the conviction, but I invite you that you have the conviction that in Christ, you can start newly again, that if you have to lift up another business, well, then you're going to lift it in the name of Jesus Christ and that you're going to in command everything of your days. So he does as the word says, commend your path to him and he will do. You have to get into the heart and into your mind because if you put in your mind and you're, if you lose in your mind, you've already been conquered by the enemy. Now the seed of doubt has been placed there of encouragement and you have to have the conviction in the name of Jesus that with Christ, I can do all things. You're going to come forth and advance in the name of Jesus, my brother and sister, and your house is going to come forth. Your business is going to lift itself up. And if not that one, then God is going to put another one, a new idea in your heart so that you can go and advance in the name of Jesus. How many of you receive that? And if you receive that, blessed be the name of the Lord. Very good. There in John chapter one, verse 12. And there, there's a conviction that through Jesus Christ, the people become children of God. Look at what John testified. But as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. <laughs> Hear me out. Those that believe in Jesus, those that have received them, they have given the right to become children, children. I understand religion. I understand the traditions. I understand the concepts that are cultural. I understand by the Bible, who is the chosen people of God? The Hebrews are the chosen one as a nation so that God would reveal himself to them so that they would guard the word and teach it. But also I understand through the word that through Christ Jesus, he came exactly to take those people that the word was given and to be their God and to make them children of him. All of us that we accept Jesus Christ, we become in children of God. What a conviction that I have to have with this then, because I can't be doubting. Oh, if I'm not a Hebrew, then I'm not a child. If I'm not such a religion, then I'm not a child. Oh, if I don't fulfill this requirement, no. Who believes in Jesus Christ and receives them in his heart, he is given the right to become a children or a child of God. Convince yourself of that once and for all. I preach with conviction that God can do and make of us wreck hunters. I believe in the organization of the local church, so you can understand me, that that get involved in a local organization. We call that a local church. I believe in God of covenants as a local church. God can use all the congregants so that they become wreck hunters, that this is not of the pastor or of another pastor or of another pastor or some leaders. No, this is a commission for all. I believe that can God use us all to find those wasted, damaged people and help to transform their lives. But this requires something. The second word, remember the first one is conviction and the second is obedience. Obedience, it's key. It's also in the word obedience, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And the word of God says there, a beautiful text, splendid. Because Jesus, when he was resurrected, he comes to the disciples and he gives them an order. These are four imperative verbs. Listen, this is called the Great Commission. And he says, there, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. How did he say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. First, I have to have conviction that Jesus is with me all the days. Second, I have to obey the words of my master. If I... If I say to be a child of God through Jesus Christ, then I have a great commission. I don't have a suggestion. 
I don't have, or maybe if you can't, no, I have a commandment. I have an order, a clear order. Go, go, go. Like Craig Fuller, who went and looked for the remains of that bobcat, of that warplane. After so many years, he went and he found it. And that man, Craig Fuller, with the Smithsonian reporter, they had to go through a territory that was hot, that was asphyxiating and full of cactus. And they got in and they walked and they found the remains of that bobcat plane, that warplane. Jesus says, go where? Go to all the places. Go to the difficult places. Go in the difficult schedule as you have a person. That the times are not given to you. That the things don't allow you. That do it. Go. Go. That the person lives close or far. Go and find them. Don't put excuses. Oh, that use the telephone or the internet to get connected. And the what's up. And all that you do it. Do it. Do it. Is what Jesus is saying. Obedience. He said to the disciples, go and make disciples. <laughs> to make disciples takes time. Church, you, if you're of the church, let me tell you, the leaders of the Bible study groups, the co-leaders, the hosts, the pastors, the leaders of ministry. This is about the gift that I have. No, this is about the Great Commission because it's for salvation. It's not about if... If I'm good in a play area or not, it's about if I'm obedient or not in the area that he told me specifically. And the rest is an attitude. My greater opportunity and responsibility as pastor is to continue looking for souls for salvations, spiritual wrecks and helping them for their restoration. And it has I have to go. I have to make phone calls. I have to make dates. I have to make space. You have to do it. Therefore, go and make disciples. It takes time. And it says to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them the doctrine. And we teach them all the word of the Lord because he's interested in that that person comes out of their residual or the remain of their Life. He wants to lift up some families. He wants to lift up people so that you and I can be those people, those instruments, and that we be hunters of wrecks. And Friday, a leader told me on the phone, said, Pastor, you could tell me thick-headed, you could call me thick-headed, whatever, you could say to me, whatever, but I understood it, and I felt so good with my bubble study group. And it was, you. I know you've told me, and another pastor told me, for those those that are cell groups are small groups at home or in the universities or in schools or in whatever space where we get together with a small group of people to disciple them and to fish souls and to find more spiritual wrecks in that small group, in that cell group. And this young person said for years, the cell group. It's the cell group that is most important. It is the small group that you're looking for. That is the great commission. But for whatever motivation, his ears were closed because he's a man that was known of the gospel. And he told me Friday, Pastor, I'm very sorry. You could call me thick-headed or whatever, but let me tell you, God revealed it to me through you and not through another pastor, but believing the Bible, I found something and he read it hundreds of times. And I read that and he said, Eureka! I found it. Finally, I discovered it. And he told me how joyful he was to be able to now understand that it wasn't about that someone calls a person, but to make disciples of those people. You and I can be those hunters of wrecks that we invest, but we then have to have obedience. I'm not pretending to be make you feel guilty. No, to any cell group leader. Now we come into the sanctuary. I said some brothers receive word this when are you going to open up your cell group? Please, when? When When are you going to put something that's on behalf of Jesus to go and do the Great Commission, to bring the gospel, to baptize the people? What more excuses are we going to put to this? So then we want a family to be transformed for a family spiritually that's a wreck or a person. We have the conviction that God can do it, but we don't make ourselves 
to obey the Great Commission. My brothers and sisters, this doesn't work like this. I invite you then where you may be, that you be conscious of a commandment of Jesus. He never said to his disciples, if you have time, go and make disciples. If you have a little bit of time, look and see if you could do this. He never said, he always said clear words, go make and baptize and teach. Simple as that. And you could say some things, pastor, but that's your profession. That's your work is that you dedicated your life to this is that they pay you for this. Let me tell you, they don't pay me to preach the gospel. They could pay me in this church, but they pay me for many things. And me even to cut down trees and to do things physically. And if they want to pay me, they pay me for a service that is given perhaps an investment of knowledge, of understanding, of redirectional, but they're not paying me for the gospel. They're not paying me for to, to preach. They don't pay me to preach here. They don't pay me to make disciples here. That's something that was put in my heart. What happens is that it wasn't before like that. And that's where the people get lost. But let me allow me, when I say they get lost, they get lost of the story or they, lorry, they get lost of the context. So it's very easy for a person to say, but you're the pastor of the church. So you're obligated to open up cell groups or you have to have a group or to look for um, tangled messes that are people that are in chaos. No, is that I wasn't pastor all my life. When I started 25 years ago, I had the opportunity to preach. Hear me out. Selling hot dogs. He, this one that's speaking to you today, was selling hot dogs in the garage of his house, in my house. There in Medellin, Colombia. And when the hot dogs were finished, a push cart. I would push it. I would close the garage. And the best hot dogs are here. Come and buy and buy. And those that came close, I would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was always a hot dog with the gospel of Christ. Always. And there, and Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I also preached, hear me out, in a place where I was cutting. And I was a tailor. That God allowed me to be. So I had some disciples. They're my first disciples. Gonzalo Ochoa. And I had Henry. And I had Luis. And La Lila. They were part of the business. They were cutting fabrics. And others were sewing. And I made them my first disciples. I shared the gospel that I went learning. The little bit that I learned. And the much that I received from God. And the, my pastor that prepared me. I gave it to other people. And I would teach them. As if I was their pastor. And I wasn't pastor yet. I wasn't as a pastor now that I was ordained. But I had something already. There was a conviction in me and an obedience. Conviction that Jesus had saved me and he could save anyone. And obedience that someone was was taking the obedience, obeying to take the gospel to me. And I had to obey and bring it to someone else. Then I was a advertisement sales in, uh, in Colombia. And I had to sell to businessmen, to great businesses. And when you get into a great business in Colombia, because they are very elitist and they have ties and executives. So I had to get there in a place where there was eminent people, people that were very professional, even worldly corporations. And even though I would sell them, I would always speak to them of Christ. I never stopped selling a hat without speaking of Christ. And why do I tell you this? To motivate you. So that you can take something so that you can erase a thought that this gospel is only for some so that only some can preach it. No, but for everyone that accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I finished in a business in New York in Sabaros. I entered coming up people that was preparing salads in a restaurant that is very famous in New York. I prepared salads. I would sell the salads, then the sodas, then the cakes or the the pastries, as they're called the uh, cashier, and then in the pizza, to make pizzas. But that whole line, that whole line, to every person I preached the gospel of Jesus. The Muslim, I shared the gospel of Jesus. I wasn't pastor then. I was a person that had conviction that Christ can transform a Muslim. I We made with them prayers of faith with them, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior, because there was a conviction that I could help them, because my lifestyle and because what I spoke attracted the people because the gospel attracts the hearts. But I had a word in me, obedience. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. Look at what this man says. And it calls to my attention. And I embraced this after I read it 27 years ago. 
For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if, verse 17, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is he saying there? I don't have to glorify that I preach Christ. Is that it was, this was given to me that I do it. And I have to do it from one of two ways. One, with, by obedience, or if I do it willingly, I will have a reward. And I will receive this from God, I will have a reward. But if I do it against my will only because I have to, then then a commission was placed, placed on me. So what an intelligent man. He knew that he could do it either with joy of heart to find spiritual tangled messes, to find people that are wasted away, people with problems, people with situations. He knew he could do it with his own will and he would have a reward willingly. And when he didn't have a lot of will, he did it by obedience by the Great Commission because the Great Commission was given to him. I understood this 28 years ago. My brother and sister who's listening to me, leader of church or where you may be, and if God is going to make you a leader, then understand this, that a great commission is placed in our hearts once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All of us should look for disciples, all of us from the smallest to the most adult, who we can disciple and who could we speak to in the name of Jesus. Once again, I don't want to make you feel guilty. I want to bring you a spiritual reality. The obedience is part added to the conviction to be able to Hunt spiritual wrecks. An application that's additional to this. Perhaps you're going through through a great problem. And you come from wrecks. Or you're in a wreck. Emotionally. Or in chaos. Or business wise. In a chaos in your surroundings. And you say. When am I going to come out of this? And then I ask you this question. Have you been obedient to God? With conviction that God can help you. Obedient. To the commandments of the Lord. Are you being obedient? Because I'm wondered, and with this, I, I'm wondered by sickness how there's people that don't grow spiritually with a gospel that is so pure and beautiful that is preached by God by so many years, and they want to embrace of the conviction. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, what a beautiful word. But in the moment of obedience, they don't obey what Christ speaks to their hearts, of what they have to take away from their heart, of what they have to take off, of what they have to let go of. So then it's almost like if the word is invalid, like if there was no power in the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. How? This power is what there is. But what happens is that obedience has to be a part of each one. Are you obeying in the areas that Christ told you to let go of? Things that for a while he told you to change? Because the conscious, the Lord is given, but the Holy Spirit gets in there. And when the word is preached, it's not forgiven. It comes in and it touch, and the Holy Spirit touches everything and cuts everything like with a hot knife. And we want to... Listen to God, what he wants to transform. If you want to come off out of that spiritual wreck that you're in, if you want to advance as a person or in the business or anything, I invite you that you have conviction in Christ, that in him you could do it, and the other, that you be obedient. One is to preach, and other to obey the word that he's transmitting continually. When you read it, and when they read it to you, the third part to finish here is perseverance and effort. Perseverance and effort. So then there, Craig Fuller. He persevered to get to find a tangled mess of twisted metals of that Bobcat plane of the Second World War, that training plane. This man persevered. That man persevered because they went through many years. He dug deep. He looked for records. The records were lost. He wasn't unmotivated. There's no registration, the localization. There's no coordinates. But more or less, it was in such a mountain, in such canyon, in this place. It's a terrain that is very difficult. And the man was filled his heart with conviction. And that conviction suited him to persevere in the objective. He had the objective. I want to find that bobcat that crashed in those mountains. And hear me out what this man says with a 
Smithsonian reporter and a team behind him to go and find something that is twisted, a piece of metal that is rusted to say, I found it. What did he do? He persevered in the mountains, in the mountains that are difficult, in the hostile terrains with a hot sun, with places filled with cactus wherever they went, exposed to getting with the serpents and the scorpions, only to seek a tangled metal mess that is rusted. The perseverance is important in your spiritual life. Perseverance is important to make disciples. The perseverance is important so that a ministry can grow. Perseverance is important so that something can advance. Perseverance is important so that the home can function. Perseverance is open so that the children are raised sound. Perseverance is important so that your business can grow. Perseverance is important so that the society will lift again and I don't know if your house can say amen those that are here say amen perseverance reaches they told me the one who perseveres reaches and we see there in Hebrews take notes and read Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27 by faith he forsook Egypt by faith look conviction the first thing that he had there not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured That word he endured, underline it, as seeing him who is invisible. What faith that Moses had when God spoke to him. Hear me out, without seeing him. What craziness, right? That God speaks to that man. And they ask me, who, if they ask me who sent me, what do I say? He says, I am who I am sent you. Huh? What? Who? I am who I am sends you. And then he went and spoke. And when he saw the invisible, he went to Pharaoh and to a people, to the elders of the congregation. He said, God, who is I am, who I am, spoke to me and we're going to come out of Egypt. And these plagues are going to come, but we're going to come out of here and we're going to advance and he's going to take us to a promised land. What? What a beautiful thing this is. You know what this man had there? Perseverance and effort. He sustained as seeing the invisible one, he sustained of the Pharaoh saying no, and he would go, but he was sustained that God was going to do it and, and that God was going to change the heart of that Pharaoh and that God was going to do it one way or another. He was in the word. He didn't negotiate the word. He persevered in that he was commissioned to take out a people that was a spiritual tangled mess in Egypt and slavery and was going to take them to a land of blessing. Listen to that. He persevered. He persevered in that effort in 40 years. Perseverance in the wilderness, a wilderness like Craig Fuller, like this man that was seeking that bobcat, that plane. Well, Moses also in a wilderness that was hostile. And he was there in faith as seeing the invisible one saying, we're going to the promised land. People follow me. We're going to go. And it was only any people. It was a hostile people, people that were hard, people, hard hearted people that were always reneging everything when things were not the way they wanted, but he persevered. They had to have a leader that was had conviction and was obedient and that he had perseverance and effort. You had to be a people with a person that you have to be a person with conviction that you obey the statutes of God. And you have to be a person that perseveres in the objective that God has put you there. Persevere in that marriage that you gave yourself to one day. And that that child that you brought to this, you have to strengthen yourself. You have to persevere in all of this. I invite you to do it in the name of Jesus, because we have many registers of those that persevered. Jesus Christ going to the cross fell many times, but he persevered and he strengthened himself and he lifted up and he finished saying, I'm going to finish my work. I'm going to finish my work. You and I can do it. Is someone receiving it? Do you receive it today? The perseverance is important to make the effort. I like a lot because when Moses perseveres and in the end they get and they see far off the promised land, he can die. God allows him to die. God buries him in a place as only for a testimony of God, he buries him. And that people that is remained the, uh, to a leadership of Joshua there, that people that remain, they have the opportunity to go past that river and to get to that promised land. But it wasn't easy. 
for Joshua. It wasn't for people that had in their heart and many, they I idolized Moses. And when the, Moses died, everyone's heart is broken. They said, oh, we just, that's it. Here, everything finished. The promise that they gave us, that's it. It's only to hear. Now, who is going to lead us? And now, almost like they would say, who will defend us? And I think that they said words like that. But you know what happened? Christ Jesus persevered with them. He didn't leave them. He didn't abandon them. He found this immediate solution after letting them cry and mourn for 30 days, after leaving them in that spiritual, emotional wreck, after letting them to be in their suffering for the death of Moses, that he calls Joshua and says, go, go to Joshua, chapter 1 of Joshua, and verses 2, 6, 7, and 9. Take notes. And have to uh, something to underline with chapter one, verse two, six, seven, and nine. And it says, Moses, my servant is dead. This is saying now, therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land, which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse six, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7. Only be strong. Underline that again. Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the wall obedience which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Wow. And verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you, I, God, have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The same words that Jesus said of the Great Commission. And here I will be you till the end of the age. Perseverance. Perseverance and effort. A perseverance and a desire and a new mood. And I stand up again and I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. And I fell spiritually. I'm bad spiritually. But I get up again in the name of Jesus. I'm emotionally damaged. I'm emotionally in crisis. I don't have finances. My business finish is ended. I have problems financially or marriage. I stand up in the name of Jesus once again. And I cry, I cry my difficulties, of course. But to be valiant and to have effort is not to say not to cry. We have to stand up again because we were crying a lot. And you and I, I don't know how you find yourself today, but today the word is spoken to you by God so that you could be encouraged in what needs to be, but also that all of us that are here and those that are home, when are we going to understand that we have the privilege to be provokers of miracles or to be what God says, wreck uh, hunters, that God wants to use you so that others can be transformed in life. That when there's something in your tomb, you could say there, whether it's a man or a woman who was an instrument of God for the salvation of many, how good that would be to put it on your tomb. The last words of the tomb. That one that was transforming a place, one that helped to make change, one that found spiritual wrecks, one that rose up in the midst of storms. I invite you that you and I be those people. And I want to conclude. Conviction. Say with me conviction. Say conviction. Say with me obedience. Obedience. Say with me perseverance. And say with me effort. Let us be then wreck hunters or spiritual wreck hunters and let us evaluate our hearts to see where we're infringing in something because something is calling to us it's a word that is obedience 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 and to those that have many occupations i say to you organize your time organize your time i'm an expert to find things to keep me busy because the vigor that was given to me is very great. Thanks to the Lord. But I have to evaluate. And I have to understand. For as much as I like. 
to rest in moments that I take it and I embrace it with all my heart, the rest. Or to watch movies. Or to go to the theater with friends to watch movies that are sound. Or to go out and eat. Or to do events in the church. Or to travel and to take vacations. Or to get up early and to take an agenda of the whole day to do a lot of things. I know there's something that I can't stop doing. And it is to speak of the one that called me out of the darkness to the marvelous light. That you can't negotiate. Pastor, it's that you, you're contracted for that. No. Is that perhaps I'm the result now of one day I believed 27 years ago when they preached Christ to me. That I had a responsibility to take others to the feet of Christ, independently of my talents or gifts that I've always presented to the churches and all of them that I've been. I surrendered all my strength and my youth to the churches where I have been. Understanding and knowledge of things, of strengths, abilities, but it wasn't more of the Great Commission. You can't negotiate that. It's a commandment from Jesus, the Great Commission. When are you going to open up a cell group? And it calls to my attention. Pastor, I want to take time. Time for what? I'm sorry? I want to give myself some time. It's a lot of responsibility. What, the Great Commission? Yes, it's a great... It's it's Christ gave it to you. It's that I have... I'm very busy. I'm very busy. I have a lot of things. Of course. How good. But administer your time well. Isn't that... God giving you that time? Don't leave to the side what is most important, please. Listen, heaven and earth will pass away, but the words of Christ will not pass away. At the end, you and I are connected because you, because in you and me, the Holy Spirit operates. Analyze that. Are you watching this a little bit later or hearing it later? Maybe those that are listening to it later, but you know that you look for this moment to hear this word and God is saying to you the same thing. We're connected in the truth that he has saved us. But we can't be disconnected of the truth that he wants us for that. We us to be hunters of wrecks, that we be provokers of miracles. So then take your agenda and see what you take out. Take 10 programs from the day of YouTube so that you go to the cell group. So that you look for a person, look, take the time to look for a person, look at their spiritual time, call them, pray for them, invite them to the group where you're in to see what happens. Fill yourself with that conviction that in you, the power of Christ is operating for a while now. Don't keep it hidden or guarded. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Again, Psalm 139, 23-24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Examine me. What if we pray? What if you stand there where you are, there in your house, Please stand in a way where you can pray better. And we say, as this psalm says, search me, O God, search us, O God. Look if within us there is a wicked way in me and show us the correct way. Show us Christ. And Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you save who needs to be saved today. That you touch the heart of someone there where they may be receiving this word today. And now I refer to you, the person that is receiving this word. You who are connected today or you who connected and understood something today that you never did. Look, Jesus wants to enter into your heart. He wants to get there to rescue you. Even from those spiritual tangled messes, those wrecks that you have. And he wants today to forgive you. And he wants to restore your life. He wants to make you a new person. And only repeat with me and say, Lord Jesus, today I open my heart and I recognize that I'm filled with sin, of faults, 
And I ask you that you enter into my heart and that you save me. Forgive all my iniquity. Write my name in the book of life and of the Lamb. Thank you for your salvation, Lord. And others that are there, I want to pray for you. If you are where you are, ask that you lift your hand where you are. There in your home or where you may be, lift up your hands for a moment. Father, I bless all those that are here in this place. And I bless those that are in their homes and in their places, Lord. I ask that in them, Lord, you sow this word very well, that you convince them, not me, of the need to have conviction of the power that operates through Christ Jesus in us to be obedient to the great commission and to the commandments that you place for us to fulfill in the same way, Lord God, that, that we could persevere in this salvation that is so great and that we persevere in seeking souls and to have patience with them and that we get strengthened in whatever difficulty in all agenda that we may have. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you receive this word where you are and here, let's give the glory to God with an applause. May God bless you greatly. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you and please share with others. Have a wonderful day.